the first lesson from Psalm 72, Collected Verses. And please join me in response. God, give your justice to the king. Give your righteousness to the king's son. Let them judge your people with righteousness and your poor ones with justice. Let the mountains bring peace to the people. Let the hills bring righteousness. Let the king bring justice to people who are poor. Let him save the children of those who are needy, but let him crush oppressors. Let the righteous flourish throughout their lives. And let the peace prosper until the moon is no more. Let the kings of Tarshish and the islands bring tribute, but the kings of Sheba and Sheba bring presumptuous. Let all the kings bow down before him. Let all the nations serve him. Let it be so, because he delivers the needy who cry out, the poor and those who have no helper. He has compassion on the weak and the needy. He saves the lives of those who are in need. He redeems their lives from oppression and violence. Their blood is precious in his eyes. Let there be abundant rain in the land. Let it wave on the mountaintop. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like grass on the land. Bless the Lord God, the God of Israel, the only one who does wonderful things. Bless God's glorious name forever. Let his glory fill all the earth. Amen and amen. So I'd like to invite our children and youth to come join me up front, if you're willing. If not, we'll all do this. <laughs> oh, we got a couple. All right, Mateo is coming too. Never too early to start. <laughs> Have a seat. Yeah, right here. On the <laughs> so this morning, um, while I wait for the rest of the kids to come down, uh, today is Peace and Justice Sunday, which is an annual tradition here in the life of our congregation. Um, we are very excited to have a guest preacher here, Nancy Neal from Bread for the World. And the liturgists today in the service are members of our Mission Commission and our Hunger Action Team. So um, I'm very grateful to all of them for helping to lead in worship today. And so, um, first of all, James and Clara, I want you to meet Mateo. Mateo is one of the newest uh, members of our church family. So it's very cool to have him with us this morning. But um, I have a question for you and for all of us. Um, we have a special job to do today, um, and that job is we need to feed everyone here in the sanctuary. Lunch, or brunch, maybe. So look around, take note of about how many people are here. What do you think we need to do that? We need coffee hour. <laughs> So coffee hour took care of dessert, but we need to feed them like uh, some more substantial food first. So what, what else? What, would, what do you think we would need to feed everybody here? <laughs> Anybody can answer this, not just volunteers. Okay, so we need people for what? We're not going to eat the people, right? <laughs> for cooking, shopping, cooking, serving. Yeah. What else do we need? Food. Like, what kind of food do you think we need? <laughs> Some protein, all right. Yeah, bread maybe, right? Some fruits, vegetables. Uh, think about your food groups, you know. 
So, yeah, so um, we need a lot to feed everybody here. So uh, what did you guys bring with you today? <laughs> Mateo's not happy about this. <laughs> well, it's a good thing. Well, I brought something. So let me see. Let's see what I have, okay? I have a box of crackers. I have a can of tuna fish. Think that's enough? What do you think? So we're about to hear the gospel lesson, and it's a really famous story. Many people have probably heard it before. But Jesus is with a crowd of 5,000 people, and they're getting hungry, and it's the end of the day. People are getting hangry. The disciples are kind of getting antsy because they, they know they're out in the middle of nowhere, and they don't know where everybody's going to get the food, and they tell Jesus, Send them away. they got to go find dinner somewhere. And Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. And they look around like, what? We don't have anything. We can't do that. And Jesus said, well, what do you have? And so they went out. They looked around, and they found out they had five loaves of bread and two fish. They brought them to Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, make everybody sit down. We've got to do this Presbyterian-like, decent and in order, 50s and 100s. And then Jesus thanked God for the bread, and they started passing it out, and there was enough for everybody. And so that's one of his miracles where he feeds 5,000 people. And too often we get caught up in the how did that happen, when that's not the most important part of the story. The, Im the important part of the story is Jesus saying, you give them something to eat and bring it to me. And so they brought it to him, and through Jesus and his, his, his power, he was able <laughs> to pass it around and make sure everybody had enough to eat so that nobody was crying like Mateo is right now. <laughs> so uh, the moral of this story, or the lesson for you all to take home, is that Jesus may ask us to do some pretty big jobs, and it might be overwhelming, but all Jesus asks us to do is bring what we have and to give it to him, and God will take care of the rest. Let's say a prayer together. Gracious God, we thank you for your wonder-working power, and we, uh, we ask that you help, help us to remember we don't need to know all the answers and the hows and the whys, but what we do need to hear is your call to bring what we have to you and to let you transform it into enough for all. Help us to be generous with what we have, that all may be fed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You guys can go back to your seats. And I um, am very happy to announce or to welcome Nancy Neal to the pulpit, who is the Director of Spiritual Formation and Wellness for Bread for the World. Um, text this morning, as you heard, is uh, very familiar to all of us, and I want to invite you to listen to the words of this story one more time. Listen deeply. This is a story found in every gospel, and there's actually a feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000 in one of the gospels at least. So listen to this version, and listen for what you are hearing that you haven't noticed before. 
the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. And as he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, the disciples came and said to him, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding towns and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Are we going to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five loaves and two fish. And then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets of broken pieces and of fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. I want to thank you all for having me here today, and in particular, I want to thank Connie Nass, my dear friend, um, and the Peace and Justice Committee for inviting me. Um, You'll be interested to know that Connie and I were uh, members of Lafayette Avenue Presbyterian and Church Presbyterian Church in Brooklyn many, many moons ago, and actually on the session when I was going through the ordination process, attending when was under care at Lafayette. So it's a really great treat to connect with Connie and Anne and to get to know Tammy today and so many of you. So thank you so much for having me um, here with you today. Will you pray with me? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and prayers and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this is one of my absolute favorite um, Bible stories. It's one of the most difficult to preach because you've already heard a hundred sermons on it. And probably Pastor Tammy has done much better sermons than mine. But this story sits at the heart of my theology. 
It's the heart of my sense of call to bread for the world, a ministry to which I gained 11 years ago. Bread for the world is a collective Christian voice urging our nation's decision makers to end hunger in the U.S. and around the world. And that is a fancy way of saying that we are a Christian advocacy organization working with churches like yours around the country to advocate to Congress for policies and legislation move us closer to ending hunger around the world and here in the U.S., and hopefully in our lifetime. There's something special about feeding people. Food nourishes our bodies, but serving food, feeding people, stores relationships and human connections. For paying attention, food comes from a whole system that reminds us of our interdependence as human beings and with nature, of our utter dependence on God. Growing up, my family gathered around the table at dinner each day, and while it wasn't always successful, the hope was that we would get to check in and connect and share our lives with uh, each other in conversation. And as, of, as adults, of course, at holidays, that worked really well, and we spent hours at the table chatting and connecting and joking and sharing our lives. And I know that people hate waiting tables. It's like the worst job, except it was honestly one of my absolute favorite jobs in the world. There's just something so special about serving someone a meal. I guess it reminds me of Jesus serving his disciples, that motley crew of people who are about to desert him that late, that one night in the Passover meal. There is a beauty in it. There is a holiness in it, serving food to others. And it's this radical hospitality of Jesus in this story and the story of the Last Supper that always reminds me of the importance of feeding one another. In my recent readings of the story, I'm really struck by how it begins. The apostles have been sent away to preach and teach and heal people and as they return, they begin to share with Jesus all that they have done and taught. But it's a busy place with busy people, and it's coming, lots of coming and going, so busy that they don't even have time to eat. So he invites them to go away to a deserted place by themselves, and they set out by boat to this deserted place, this deserted place. I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of a deserted place. I think of a place where there was once human activity, maybe, but there is no longer. I think of the quiet of no human voices and the loudness of the silence, the loudness of nature around. I think of a place that has maybe been abandoned or that no longer tended to or cared for. I think of overgrown weeds and trees and bird's nests in odd places. And one might expect some privacy in a deserted place. And yet here, there is none. Because all of the people from the nearby towns and villages figure out where Jesus is going with the disciples, and they run ahead on foot, arriving before Jesus and the disciples can make it off the boat. The text says that Jesus saw the people and had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
Now, sheep are not known for being the smartest creatures. They travel in herds and that, that are minded by shepherds and corralled by sheepdogs. Sometimes the sheep wander off into danger and a shepherd will go looking for them. But a flock of sheep without a shepherd is likely abandoned, I think. One might say deserted. So here we are in a deserted place with perhaps a deserted people. And Jesus has compassion on them. So he begins teaching them. And the text doesn't really say what he's teaching them. It doesn't get into the details here. But we know that the disciples begin to get a little antsy as time ticks on, as the sun begins to set. I wonder if their trip on the boat didn't give them enough time to rest and for sharing with Jesus all that, that they had done and taught. Perhaps they just want Jesus for themselves, a little time for retreat maybe. Perhaps they are hungry and they want that little bit of food that they know that they have. But they tell Jesus to send the people away so that they can go and buy food for themselves in the nearby villages. But Jesus replies, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. This is radical hospitality. When I think of deserted people in our day, I think of the 44 million U.S. Americans, including 12 million children who struggle to put food on the table. That is one in five children who face food insecurity, one in three among black and Latino children. I think of the more than 700 million people around the world who experience hunger every day and the nearly 50 million people facing emergency levels of hunger and starvation. Seven years ago, the world thought that we could end hunger by 2030. We're seven years from now. And now, taking in account the lasting effects of the pandemic on global food security, not to mention the wars that are taking place right now, millions more people will face hunger by 2030. You could guess nearly 30 million more. That's nearly double the current population of the U.S. Friends, these statistics are sobering. And behind each one is a story of a parent pacing the floor trying to figure out how they're going to cover medical bills or the, the mortgage or to, and, and also put food on the table. A mother is working two jobs trying to figure out how to get enough food for her children so that she doesn't have to skip meals and trying to find how, to, how she's going to spend time with them. A family is fleeing violent conflict of war with the belongings that they can carry on their backs. And yet Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Friends, we've heard the statistics. We can't food, bank, and child sponsor our way out of this food crisis. You see it every week. We need bigger and better solutions. We need radical solutions. And some of those solutions involve changing <coughs> policies and programs and conditions that cause hunger. In the reading from Psalm 72 this morning, we hear the advice to a king from his mother. In it, she implores the king to judge people with righteousness and the poor with justice. 
We hear a call for this leader to defend the cause of the poor, deliverance to those in need, and crushing the oppressor, this tradition of holding leaders accountable and expecting them to care for the most vulnerable in our society runs throughout scripture. But the truth is we can't do it all individually. We can't advocate for everything. We can't take care of all of the problems out there. There's an incredible amount of need out there, and we must follow where God is leading and respond to what God puts before us. Our job isn't to change the whole world. It is to work together and do our part. The disciples didn't do the work alone. They gathered what they had. They listened to Jesus' instructions, and God did the rest of the work. For me, I feel called to feed people not through the food bank or the food pantry, but by changing policies and programs and conditions that cause hunger through advocacy to Congress. Our work at Bread for the World allows us to impact millions of lives from our neighbors next door to our neighbors around the world by advocating for legislation that will address this hunger crisis everywhere. We partner with churches like yours to host offerings of letters. Instead of collecting monetary offerings to address hunger, we collect and bless letters to Congress. We offer the power of our collective voice and our influence to make a difference. Bread for the World is a nonpartisan organization working in bipartisan ways because we believe that lasting change comes when we can work with the broadest coalition and most politically diverse group of leaders. You might say advocacy doesn't work, but statistics and research again and again convey that advocating for changing laws and policies, enacting just legislation works. It may not be the only solution, but it makes a huge difference. Your members of Congress assign their staff to read every letter that comes to their office. And they count how many letters come for each topic. And a mere 12 letters is enough to get the attention of a member of Congress about an issue. You might say, I'm not an expert on hunger. I don't know enough to be able to do advocacy on these issues. And, and you might say, as one person, what can I do? But this work is about building relationships. Just as it's important to build relationships with your neighbors, it's important to build relationships with our leaders. As people of faith, as Christians, we don't have to know all the ins and outs of policy and legislation on hunger. We can tell our elected leaders why the issues are so important to us and to our neighbors. We can share the stories of our friends and our clients who come into the food pantry that we serve. Feeding 5,000 men, not mention the women and children who were likely present too, making the crowd pretty large, was a daunting task. But Jesus put the disciples to work, saying, you give them something to eat. He inquires about how much food they have, and when he learns of the five loaves and two fish, he orders them to assemble the crowd into groups. And then he takes the loaves and looking up to heaven, he blesses them and breaks them. And he did the same with the fish. 
and he distributes the broken bread and fish to the disciples who distribute them to the crowds and they collect 12 baskets full of broken pieces after all are fed. In this story, Jesus does the hard work. The disciples just follow his lead. We too are not alone in this work. We go where Jesus directs us to go and we follow what Jesus tells us to do. I want to close with this story about a Bread for the World member. This was a number of years ago. Her name was Connie Witt and she lived in a retirement home, the Robin Run retirement home in fact, and she wrote her senator regularly about hunger issues and she organized regular letter writing in her retirement home as she had done in her church before moving there. In one year, President George Bush, w, George W. Bush, was asking Senator Richard Lugar about why he supported the Millennium Challenge Corporation. It's a program for distributing foreign assistance that focuses on countries with good governance, country-led and implemented solutions, and tracking results. And Senator Lugar responded that he supported the legislation because he had received letters from Connie Witt month after month after month. She was not a wealthy contributor to a political party. She had never run for public office. She was just one woman, one voice, one person who felt that the U.S. should do more to feed hungry people. And she organized her community to write letters regularly and wrote letters herself. And that year, the Millennium Challenge Corporation funding rose from $1 billion a year to $2.5 billion. Because Connie Witt and people like Connie were writing letters and having conversations with their members of Congress. Proverbs 31.8 re reads, Open your mouth for those who cannot speak and for the rights of those who are left without help. Friends, you have the power to make a difference in this world. You have a voice. You are part of this community of First Presbyterian Church, and I want you to invite you to consider how you will deepen your commitment to justice in this world. Jesus ordered the disciples to gather people in groups of 50s and 100s and to place the food, broken and blessed, before them. And just as he gathered the disciples around a table where he washed their feet and blessed and broke food and poured wine to serve them, he served them so that they might serve others. The invitation is here, my friends. You give them something to 